And I want everyone right now to repeat after me. Please, I need everyone. We will demand change. It wasn't loud enough. We will demand change. We will demand justice. We will gain equality. And we will be great. Thank you all. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 226 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It's Thursday, August 2017th, 2020. You might have noticed at the top of the show, we usually have the Duke band to lead us in as they always take us home. But this time we decided to have audio from this afternoon's rally that took place on Duke's campus. That was freshman Henry Coleman, who you haven't seen play for Duke yet, but will be on the team this season speaking about um, all that's been going on this week. So what we're going to do on this episode is we'll, we'll talk about the rally, but first I want us to talk a bit about what's happened the last few days in the NBA, um, specifically in, in the last 24 hours. And we'll give a quick recap of, of what that is before we kind of discuss sort of how all the parties are going forward here. Before we do that, I do want to make sure I introduce the guys who I'm here with as always. So I'm Sam Klein. I'm, I'm coming to you from Massachusetts. I've got Donald Wine with me in Washington. Donald, uh, it's good to see you. Good to hear from you. How are you? Uh, good. I'm actually still in Texas for a few more days. Oh, still in uh, Texas. Still in Texas, but uh, I will be returning to D.C. next week. But yeah, uh, it's been probably one of the wildest 24 hours in sports history. And we've said that a lot in the last few months, but this was <laughs> no exception. It feels it feels like every week we say, folks, send us emails because we're going to ha- need stuff to talk about. And then all of a sudden there's more to talk about. Jason Evans is also here to talk about it. He is still on the Jersey Shore, perhaps? Yep, that's me. I'm still uh, still in Longport, um, in between Ocean City and Atlantic City. Um, uh, and, and I've been doing a ton of watching NBA playoffs, and I was all ready to – and I've loved it. I mean, it's been one of the best – I've probably watched more NBA um, in the past week than I have um, you know, in any month in years. Uh, I almost haven't missed a game. And yesterday I went to tune in and it wasn't there and it wasn't there for a damn good reason. So we normally, if we were doing this show as we expected to perhaps this week, talk about all the NBA games and the Duke players that are playing in it, because of course there isn't going to be perhaps college basketball for a while, but we're not really going to, uh, we're not going to to address much of that because um, we need to talk about Jacob Blake, and we need to talk about the sports world's response to Jacob Blake. So as I said, we'll talk about the NBA, and then we'll talk a little bit about what was going on on campus at Duke today. So we'll take you back a few days. Sunday in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Jacob Blake, who's a black man, was shot uh, by police. He's still alive, but is not in good shape. The I think the latest news is that he's likely to be paralyzed. Um, the the shooting Sam, Sam, reignited. He was, yeah. he was shot in the back seven or eight times seven times in front of his children i think that's important perspective on this so um this news story came out sunday soon after it happened there was there was uh, video footage some bystanders had had video and tweeted it out immediately and the smoldering feelings about 
racial injustice in this country that have been boiling over for the last few months reignited again. Uh, there were immediately protests all around the country demanding justice for Jacob Blake. So that was Sunday, Tuesday night um, after the Clippers destroyed the Mavericks in a game that I think we would have come on to talk about just how incredible the Clippers were. Clippers coach Doc Rivers, who's also a Duke dad and a Duke father-in-law, wasn't in any mood to talk about it because he was so raw about Jacob Blake. Uh, he talked about how his father was a police officer and how he couldn't he couldn't really believe the the state of of criminal justice in this country and and specifically the way that police are treating black people. Um, then uh, also that afternoon, ESPN had reported that the Raptors were discussing sitting out their first game of the new series against the Celtics in protest uh, in support of Jacob Blake. Then Wednesday afternoon, so that's yesterday, uh, things moved pretty quickly. The Milwaukee Bucks, who are the top team in the East, they're projected to you know, make it to the finals. It would be their first finals appearance since the 70s. Um, they decided not to play their game against the Orlando Magic, a game that they were expected to win to clinch their first round series. Then soon after that, the Blazers and Lakers decided to call off their game. So all the games last night were called off by the players. Um, the NBA owners weren't really given a lot of heads up that, that this was going to happen. Um, the players then all had a closed-door meeting. The Bucks had a meeting. And then all the players who were left in the bubble had a meeting to discuss what they were going to do next. Because at this point, the as I said, the emotions were raw. The players, it seems, were a little bit feeling a little burned out by being in the bubble for this long to begin with. They've been there for about a month and a half now, and they were just trying to figure out where they were going to go next. So uh, they had a meeting last night that didn't come to any conclusions. They met again this morning. That was Thursday. So the NBA players met again. The, uh, the heads of the NBA and the Players Association met. So where we're at now is that it seems like the players have agreed to resume the playoffs possibly tomorrow, possibly over the weekend. As of this recording, it's about 4.30 on Thursday afternoon. We don't yet know exactly what the plans are for the NBA to resume the playoffs, but the, the initial shockwave has already been sent. The, we, the three of us were talking about this yesterday as it was all unfolding, that we can't really remember a time when so many athletes, so many prominent um, celebrities came out in such a forceful way for, for social justice. And, we, and I think we were all recapping different athletes who have made stands about social injustice, be they Muhammad Ali or Jesse Owens, uh, but, but nothing like what we saw yesterday from the NBA where basically all of the players, it was only a, a couple of games, but pretty much all the players decided that they had had enough. And so here we are today. What I, now that we've gotten the background, I, I want to get each of your perspectives about what you were feeling yesterday and what you think would be the most effective way. Now that we sort of know that the NBA players are really aligned on their thoughts about, about social injustice, what do you think is the best way for them to go forward, knowing that they are going to resume the playoffs tomorrow or, or, or over the weekend? And I'll give it to Donald first, kind of, Talk me through either how you were feeling yesterday or or how you feel the NBA players should proceed from here. Well, before I do that, I also want to add some context to the great timeline and, and very 
confusing timeline that you put out because a lot of things happen at the same time. And then Jason, I would actually like you uh, to start this off once I bring everything else into context. So as Doc Rivers was speaking on Tuesday night, there was a protest going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And at that protest, a 17-year-old kid from Illinois drove up to Kenosha, Wisconsin with the intent of shooting protesters. He did it under the guise of guarding businesses and protecting businesses, but he went up there and, and, and confirmed that he went up there with the intent to shoot protesters. He did so. And when protesters tried to bring him to the police, he shot some more of them. The police in Kenosha, Wisconsin, let that kid go. And the kid actually was able to return home that night to Illinois. It wasn't until Wednesday, when, while this was going on, that that kid was brought up on charges by the Kenosha, uh, I guess, DA. And he turned himself in in Illinois. But the same police that shot Jacob Blake in the back seven times let a kid go who sh who killed two people at a protest and went up there with the intent purpose of doing it, a 17-year-old. Now, other things that have fallen out from this is the NBA started all of this, but there was a lot of other people who were who also did their own protesting and their own uh, strike, if you will, of games. The WNBA called off all their games. Uh, several uh, MLS teams decided not to play. The players decided they weren't going to play. There were several players in Major League Baseball, starting with uh, the Milwaukee Brewers and then later on the Seattle Mariners and L.A. Dodgers. Those guys also decided they weren't going to play. There were other teams that had players that were just too, you know, too overcome with grief to even play. So they sat out their games, but their teams ended up continuing to play. The NHL continued to play inexplicably, uh, but the Diversity Alliance was able to speak today with the league, and they have now canceled all their games tonight. And finally, on top of all of that, last night, uh, instead of all the basketball, TNT was supposed to be airing these games. And they had a pregame show for what would have been the Lakers game. I'm sorry, not the Lakers game, the Thunder game, uh, Thunder and Rockets game. And Kenny the Jet Smith decided that he was not going to partake in that. So the very first thing that he did was he told the audience, I don't I stand with the players. And by doing so, I am not going to be on the show. And he walked off. So those were a little of the other things that kind of bring this whole timeline into context and really understand how how the, the the breadth of where this went and how fast it went because all of this occurred yesterday in the span of maybe two or three hours by you know basically the first game was supposed to be at 2 p.m and by 5 p.m all these other leagues were in discussions and by seven o'clock people realized that there was no sports to watch other than the nhl so yeah if that, you were yeah if you were distracted yesterday in the afternoon like if you were busy with work or you were doing something else the we went from it. we went from basically you know sports are still weird because we're playing during the pandemic but whatever there's still they're going to be some great nba games tonight that there's still going to be mls and, and major league baseball there's a whole slate of things for you to watch you could have put your phone down for a few hours and then picked it up and been like what happened mm -hmm. yeah so, it was it was very quick and it was it was historic but at the same time it was one of those things where like you said it blink and you could have missed it on you know put down your phone for a class or for 
uh, for a meeting and you wake up and you probably or you come back and you probably had a hundred text messages about what was going on without any context because the world moved that quickly yesterday. And it was kind of surreal to see. I, I literally was sitting with my brother getting ready to watch the two o'clock game. And when this happened, it was like, okay, well, that's weird. And then all of a sudden, by 2.30, all the other games were canceled. So it was uh, it was an interesting scenario and really something that, like I said, is something that is completely unprecedented. Mm-hmm. But Jason, I wanted to let you kick off since I brought everything in the contest. I'd like to give you the floor to, uh, to speak about what, G- what Sam was uh, talking to at the top. So uh, to me, the question, and I know Donald and I are going to have a little bit of a debate about this. The the question is, should the players be playing? Because I think there's no question that what the action they took yesterday, um, starting starting with the Bucks, and you know, as as we've noted, Kenosha is where this is going down. At least it's the central p- point in this. Kenosha's in Wisconsin. Milwaukee's in Wisconsin. The Bucks are sort of the home team of this latest social justice outcry. So it's entirely appropriate that they were the first team to take action. And, and we will have no debate, none at all, about whether what they did was appropriate and whether the response of all the other basketball, baseball, soccer, you name it, players, tennis and golf players even, who have said, I am also sitting out. I am not going to participate as a way of highlighting the gross injustices that are happening in this country. Naomi Osaka. Naomi Osaka decided she was not playing in a tournament. She's the best player in the world, not named Serena. Yeah, yeah. It is not not just African-American. It is not just black people who are doing this. It is all throughout the sports world. And again, we are not going to debate whether that decision to sit out those games yesterday um, and today is is a wise or or not move it is unquestionably wise they have like you guys said in a heartbeat in a moment they immediately focused our attention on what is going wrong and how outraged they are about it Uh, i will defend to my last breath the fact that they did the right thing there what we are going to discuss and what donald and i are going to debate is whether or not sports should stop for the moment whether or not the NBA playoffs should continue at some point in the future. And I'm of the belief that they should. And and I'll I'll tell you why. Once the players decide not to play, once they leave the bubble, once the season is finished, I believe that people stop looking at them in nearly the same way. People stop caring as much about what they have to say. The news, so to speak, happens and then it's gone. The news that they're not playing happens and their ability to impact the news then immediately decreases. You have that moment, but your power is gone after that moment. But, but if you play, you get multiple moments. Plus you get to work with the owners and add their economic might, add the economic might and the power of the voice of the NBA to your own. And that is a big, big deal. I mean, yes, LeBron James can probably call any congressman or senator or governor or police chief or mayor in the country and get them on the phone. But I'm telling you something, the owner of the Lakers, the owner of the Bucks, the owner, the billionaire owners of any one of these teams can also get any politician on the phone. Um, I, I think the, the players 
by highlighting the fact that they have the ability to walk out. They have given themselves the power to really work with those owners, work with the league, work with the networks that are broadcasting the games to produce a message that lasts beyond the immediacy of a walkout. Get every single team in the league. Because, by the way, it's not a done deal that the playoffs are happening. Um, they're still talking to the league. They're still talking to the owners about what they're going to do. They I, I, Just quick, quick suggestions that I have. Get every single team in the league to fund get-out-the-vote efforts. Get every single team in the league, every single team in the league, to use their arena as a location for for voting. We talked about the, the Atlanta Hawks. I think other teams are doing as well. The Atlanta Hawks are yep. turning Wizards. their arena. The Wizards are doing as well. They're turning their arena into the biggest voting precinct in the city of Atlanta, and they're going to keep it open for like three or four weeks for early voting. They think that they're going to boost inner city voting in, in the city of Atlanta, like the levels we've never seen before. Get the league, get the networks to produce specials that educate the public on Black Lives Matter, educate them on what defund the police really means, what these causes are about, what they're asking for, what needs to happen to change in our country. Their ability to do that is directly tied, in my opinion, to the fact that they continue to play. So that's that's my argument on all of this. So, uh, Donald, Jason kind of laid out what it means for the players to play. And, and I think last night, you know, the three of us were texting about this, even into this morning, about what might happen if the players just leave the bubble entirely. And as Jason was talking about, there's a lot of economic fallout that comes from that but tell me what you think about how the players could proceed and get their message out if they decided to end the season, you know, perhaps this weekend. So first I, I, Jason, I think you laid out a great argument and not just because I disagree. That doesn't mean I don't think it's a great argument. I think in the end, I think all of us would probably agree. (laughs) I think all of us would probably agree that whatever the players end up deciding to do is the right thing to do. I, I, we support that 100%. Yes, having yes said I, that, will, I will agree with you on that. Yeah, having said that, I think that last night or, and even today is a poignant moment in our sports history and in our nation's history because they didn't play. It's not because they played. And I think when it comes to the fact that these guys decided we are not here for your entertainment, and if you think we are just here for your entertainment, we well, are going to be very surprised when there's no entertainment for you. There were so many people who were at first, we go back to the discussion we had in, you know, back in June when we were talking about whether or not they should actually proceed with playing. I also said, hey, their platform can be as big as it is with playing can be bigger if they're not because they have the concentration and what they do is as as athletes. And it's not just the NBA, it's any athlete. They focus so hard on their craft. They are built to train and put everything into their, whatever they're trying to do, whatever their focus is, whatever their foundation is, they pour 100% of their of their mind, body, spirit, and time and effort into it. I think by playing basketball, a lot of these guys have, have, have even said in the bubble while they're playing that they wish that they had the opportunity to protest. They wish they had the opportunity to devote the time and effort that they know is necessary to enact some of these changes. The Bucks, when they canceled yesterday, it's not like they were just sitting in the room talking about what they were going to do. They were on the phone with the attorney general for Wisconsin demanding that they arrest the cops that shot Jacob Blake. They couldn't have done that if they played. And I feel like when it comes to this, it's not necessarily leaving a bubble, but 
the the reason why it just like back in in March with the pandemic, the sports world stopped because the NBA stopped. Yesterday was the same thing. Today we are seeing reverberations of that with several leagues already saying that they're not going to play in, in in protest. So when it comes to when it comes to not playing, that that speaks violence because really, and I and the problem is I have to read all of this. I have to read the comments because I need to know what people really think about it. And there's too many people in this country who think that these guys should just shut up and dribble, should just shut up and pick up a baseball glove, should just shut up and, and play hockey, should just shut up and kick the soccer ball. I saw too many of that last night. And I think when it comes to stopping, those people get upset, but it brings those people out. In Major League Soccer, mind you, Real Salt Lake, their players decided they were not going to play. They decided they were going to strike. This morning, their owner got on radio in Salt Lake City and basically said, I don't have time for the black players on this team to be whining with their protests. And there is a point now we have a Donald Sterling situation on our hands in Major League Soccer because the team, and also on top of that, he fired 50 people last night because he said he couldn't afford to pay them. Mind you, this guy is rich enough to pay $1.3 million for a penny, for an old rare penny he bought last year. He has money for that. But because players protest, he responds by firing the staff that takes care of the team. Those guys are being brought to light in this. And they didn't do if they had played last night, that wouldn't have been exposed. That is the same thing with Donald Sterling. Those guys and, decided to play the, uh, real quick and, and then, I'll, then I'll kick it. Those guys decided to play, but they were opting not to. They were saying, hey, if we don't play, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to kick us out of the league? No. So I think when that happens, when the sports stop, when the NBA decided to stop, they realize that that platform is running, and it is bigger than anything. And if the owners, what these discussions about today are, if the owners don't come to play ball in that area the way the players wanted to, they will walk away, and there won't be a playoffs. And really, I'm here for whatever they decide they want to do. And, Donald, I want to be clear. Um, I... I 100% agree with the action taken yesterday by all these athletes not to play. I think they highlighted things in a way they otherwise could not have by not playing. If they had merely said, hey, we're upset. And, you know, if I, look, I saw Doc Rivers' comments from the night before. It was an incredibly powerful statement. And, and as folks know, I work for CNN. Um, and I wrote extensively about Doc Rivers on, on the shows I was working on the next day. That was one of my assignments. One of the things that I was working on all day was was um, the reaction to Doc Rivers. But there was limited reaction to Doc Rivers because it was just words he had spoken. The players took action by not playing. And I, again, 100% support that. That was the right thing to do. The debate to me is, is their next action to continue not to play or is their next action to say, we are going to get things and we are going to continue playing if we get those things with the threat still being there that if we don't get what we need, then, then we stop. And, and that's where I think, that's where I think they need to go versus saying we're not playing, we're done, we're gone and thereby losing their platform. Yeah, Jason. And I think that part is where we, where we agree, despite the debate that we just had, I think that part we agree where 
the stopping of the playing is bringing about the change that we, that they are seeking. They're at least is making them get to a table and say, here's our demands. Here's what we want you guys to do. And, and really here's the thing when it comes to the playoffs restarting, it was doc rivers who, who made that statement a couple of nights ago. He was the one that kind of told the players, look, the power that you guys have is in the fact that you guys can play ball, use it. Now, some people took that to mean he wants them to play, but he's saying, Use that power to get the things that you want done. So if this like, hey, if you guys aren't going to make every single arena a voting booth in November, then what'll ha- what are you going to do when we don't show up tomorrow? Are you still are you going to bring in replacement players? No. The financial the thing about these guys is the financial implications long term. They're not worried about right now that right now. In their mind, they are guys who are trying to get up. And being told that you have to go to work, despite the fact that some of them really don't want to. The part that I think is important, one of the things that's important here, and I'm I'm still, I think, undecided about which of you I, I agree more with, because I think they're both compelling arguments. But one of the things that I think is most powerful here comes back to something that I've harped on over the summer a number of times as we've talked about the NBA restarting, which is the Players Association and the owners being somewhere in the same ballpark as far as what the league and what the players messaging means for not just their own brand, but, but to affect change broadly across the country. Uh, the, the, the owners, as I mentioned at the top, the owners were surprised and, and not informed about what was going on yesterday as it was unfolding. It was really the players deciding in their locker rooms what they were going to do. But you haven't seen much today about the owners being you know, there hasn't been a lot about the owners being overly upset. Obviously, there are owners who are saying, look, we're losing money if 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 we don't play these games. The, the especially in the playoffs, these are these are big dollars that come in from from the broadcast rights. So they get that. But they also understand the the value. Adam Silver understands the value that all of this is bringing to the league and is bringing to society. And and so they're talking about it. That's what's most important. You didn't hear today. I, I think you can look at the way that labor discussions have gone in in some of the other high, high profile sports, the NFL, Major League Baseball. It doesn't sound like it does with the NBA. So you're going to hear from and and then and by the way, teams last night were were putting out messages of support The the Bucks team account was saying we're with the players we support them all of that kind of stuff i will so, say I, w- I will say sam the biggest pro athlete association in the entire world fifa pro players association or fifa pro the biggest story in the world this week was the fact that Lionel messi decided he was leaving barcelona until yesterday and fifa did not speak out on that they spoke out on what happened yesterday that should tell you how this is reverberated around the world. And and we said that, that this is one of the biggest moments for athletes as as social justice icons, perhaps ever in, in the history of this country or, or anywhere around the world. The fact that it happened en masse, the fact that it happened so quickly, the fact that it happened with so much public support was was incredible. And, you know, when we talk about how leadership is supporting the players and all of this, I think it's inevitable that we have to come back to Duke and and look at the rally that was hosted this afternoon in Kayville by you know, Director of Basketball Operations, Nolan Smith. Um, but we'll we'll get into that after this quick break.
So as we mentioned, we want to talk a little bit about the rally that that Duke basketball and Duke athletics was having this afternoon. It seems like it came together pretty quickly, uh, but, and, and there's still videos coming out. So I don't think we're going to get to react to all of it, but we'll talk a little bit about what we've heard so far. So what we know is that Nolan Smith, who is a beloved Duke alum and member of the, of the men's basketball staff at Duke, and perhaps one of the most popular people in, in the the world of Duke athletics. I, I think that would be fair to say, organized a rally this afternoon uh, outside of Cameron in Krzyzewskiville uh, in support of of the Black Lives Matter movement. They had the men's basketball team, the women's basketball team were there. It seems like there were a number of other Duke athletes there. I can't tell exactly yet how many people were in attendance uh, and, and do not know if they were all masked up, although it does seem like most of the basketball team and, and coaches were had their masks on, but they were talking a lot about how the last few days have affected them. Uh, we played for you at the top the clip of Duke freshman Henry Coleman, uh, the, the reflections that that he had written and wanted to share with the community. Nolan Smith spoke, Mike Krzyzewski spoke. We haven't you know seen some of these guys in, in public in a, in a long time. Uh, new Duke women's basketball coach Kara Lawson spoke, and she had her whole team around her. And so it, it was a it was a big moment for for Duke to be to be part of this whole thing. So, Jason, I, I know you you had tuned in for some of it and and took some notes. So, tell me about what you heard today and and give me a, a, a more thorough summary of of what was going on outside of Cameron this afternoon. I mean, it was a very powerful event, and folks, I re- I strongly recommend you go to the Duke men basketball Twitter account um, because they have some really great videos up there. If you haven't already seen them. Uh, just the stuff that I saw, uh, like you said, Nolan had organized this protest. Um, it, it wasn't as much a protest as it was like a information session, maybe, or a folks, we need to start doing something. It really feels like it was just for the athletic department. There were a couple times that Nolan and other folks specifically addressed coaches, coaches who were in attendance. So it wasn't the general public. It was, it was the athletic department. It was coaches. It was athletes who were there. And, and Nolan, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you a few quotes from some of the people who spoke because I think it's worth highlighting some of these things. Nolan said, I can't change the world, but I can try to change Duke while I'm here on campus. And then he said, um, he said, I've had guns pulled on me. He said, you know me, I'm, I'm not a drug dealer, but I've had guns pulled on me many times. And he said, we all wonder, all African-American young men wonder every single day when we walk out the door, are we going to make it home tonight? Or am I going to get killed in a random traffic stop? To me, that was an incredibly powerful message. He called up Coach K. Coach K said, this is the time for all of us to be on the same team. He repeated that message over and over again. Time for us to be on the same team. He said today's about listening. And it's about coming up with strategies to win on this issue. He said, spread this throughout the campus and then spread it throughout Durham. And by inference, spread it throughout the world after that. He is really pushing voting. Let me tell you, he said he wants every student at Duke, every single student at Duke, he wants them registered to vote and he wants every damn one of them to vote. Um, and he, he said the team is going to go out and work on this. That This is one of the missions of the Duke basketball team right now is getting people to vote. And while he didn't endorse anyone, <laughs> he said we need leadership that will work to solve these issues. And the first step in all of that is for all of us to go out and vote. Um, Mike Buckmeyer came up briefly and spoke. He said he has survivor's guilt. 
the fact that he is still alive and that other black men are dead, that he has survivor's guilt, which I thought was incredibly powerful. And he had a sign he held up and his sign said these simple words. It said, am I next? Um, which is, you know, again, incredibly powerful. And, and Kara Lawson, I thought was, in, was unbelievably eloquent. She said, it's lonely. Being a African-American person in the United States is lonely these days. And she said, there's lots of people who are talking, but there's not a lot of action around those words. And then she stressed over and over again, it's going to take patience and endurance to get there. It's not easy. It will not be quick, but we have to start doing things. And then Henry Coleman, who was unbelievable. I mean, you heard it at the top. And the cool thing I thought about Henry Coleman's statement, he began to read it. And as he was reading, it was, it was words that he had written to himself last night when he was at home, you know, in, in his dorm room, I would imagine, um, you know, trying to sort of come to grips with what he had seen over the past few days. And he wrote these words down, then he wanted to read them to the crowd. As he began to read those words, the entire team, every single guy in the team walked up to be with him, to be next to him, to show him support. And uh, it, if you have any doubt whether or not these guys have had the time to form a bond as a team, that doubt was laid to rest. That it, it was, it was, it was, it was beautiful and also important. Donald, what, what were your thoughts? You, I know you've watched some of this as I have. Yeah. I, it, it was great that this was set up. It was great that, you know, once again, I've, I've commended Duke in the past, you know, couple months about how they've approached this. And today was no exception being, giving these guys the platform to say what they feel, having, you know, coach K being in front of this and, and, and also knowing when to step aside and say, Nolan, this is yours. Take it. I'm behind you. Not, you know, I, I stand behind you with you uh, and not necessarily having to, you know, be in charge of everything. I, I think that is something that we've seen that we've talked about this transformation that we've seen uh, from coach K in regards to social justice issues over the past few years and, and really just how he's adapted to the times. And, and that is, you know, it's heartwarming to see that, you know, hey, this is going to be one of our priorities is getting everybody to vote. I remember being on campus uh, just right when the, you know, Duke lacrosse scandal popped off. And then, you know, Mike Nifon ran for reelection that for next year, and just after I left, and everybody on campus was trying to get these drives out to, you know, vote him out. And, and that, and really what this will do is once again, allow Duke to take charge in helping their students understand local politics, what it means, what it means to them as a student, what it means to them back at home. You know, those sort of things that a lot of people always focus on the president, they focus on Congress. But a lot of times it's those local issues that really shape your life and how the direction it takes. So I really commend Duke for stepping on front of this. And really, lastly, about Henry Coleman, this was the first time probably that a lot of people had heard him speak or really just like gotten to know who he is as a, as a person. And, and damn it, I'm glad he's on our team because that is, that takes a lot of, uh, a lot of courage to say what he did and to also do that as a freshman. I remember when I was a freshman and to do that, knowing that he's stepping out into a mic and some people are probably like, who is this kid? And he's still like, well, my story is important too. And I think that was great for him to be able to have the courage to speak up and speak out and really for his team to stand right there with him and 
and help them through it. That's the bond that we want to see. And we've talked about, uh, Jason, you talked about, you know, the bond of this team that we we're seeing it right now. And I think this is going to be, you know, this moment that we have in this country is something that's going to really unite a lot of people. It already is starting to do that, but the way it's uniting people, the way that people are, are standing with others uh, who are aggrieved, who are oppressed uh, is something that we haven't seen in our lifetime. Um, uh, it's just it's it's incredible to see. I'm glad Duke is still being at the forefront of creating these conversations and these difficult conversations, and really meaning what they said back in June, saying we will be leaders in this regard. There are times when I think about how much time I spend watching sports, talking about sports, obviously talking with you guys as much about sports as I do and how ultimately meaningless all of it is that, you know, if, if sports went away, it's not like I wouldn't have my family and my friends and, and, and all the, the other sort of things in my life. And what does it really mean today? What does it really mean to me today? I think was a good reminder of, of how powerful it is, is that, you know, the three of us are all part of this community in a, in a small way that was represented by all those people who were speaking today. And we, we weren't, necessarily there in person but but we're we're part of it and we feel like we're proud to be members of the duke community and and the duke basketball i guess fan community which which we are at dbr along with everybody else who posts and writes there and 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 so today was a today was a good reminder of that and even if you know even if it takes a long time for college basketball to come back and feel like normal during everything that is happening right now at least we know that we feel good about it in the meantime and Today's rally, I think, really spoke to how important it is for us to, you know, recognize the the impact that that celebrities and sports have on our lives. They don't have to mean anything, but we but we give them power, and this is what they're giving back to us. So I'm immensely proud to be part of this community in a in a very small way today. And I think you guys have talked about how how you feel the same. So that's uh, that's really great to see. We hope. I think I speak for all of us when I say that we hope that that everything that's happened this week is going to result in, in positive change. It's going to result in positive change in our communities and, and in communities across the country. So we obviously won't be doing listener emails this week, but as always, if you have thoughts, if you have questions, if you have anything for us, we don't know when, what, where the news cycle will take us. We don't know where the NBA is going next. We don't know uh, where Duke athletics is going next, but we will be back whenever things happen to talk about it because that is what we owe you and that's what we owe each other, I think. So um, for this, I don't want to call this an emergency episode, but but certainly a, a timely and poignant and, and necessary episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast for Donald Wine, for Jason Evans. I'm Sam Klein. This has been episode 226. And we had Henry Coleman at the top. But now we will let Duke Band take us home. Get out and vote. <laughs>